2: morning. Good morning. This week felt real gross, real gross. I actually cashed both of my spy teams and I still felt disgusted all day yesterday. Sometimes we've had some high, some good times, you know, so you celebrate those. And sometimes it's so bad that it's comical. Like last week I was looking at one of my lineups on here and I just, how did I build this? Like, what the hell is this? And this week, I liked my lineups. I built two lineups that had the right pieces, but not all together. If I could have combined my two spy lineups, I would have had a you know a top 0.01% finisher, but I didn't. I didn't have the right pieces. So we're gonna look at some lineups today. Hopefully, you guys had a better week 13 than me. Like I said, it, it it'll be fine for the spreadsheet. It'll be fine for the spreadsheet, but I don't feel good. I just don't feel good. When you have Darren Waller, who literally flipped the slate on its head, and you only min cash, you don't feel satisfied. Who do we got in the chat? Mad Max. I'm because I finally min cash. I hope we, we didn't get the emotion, but I'm guessing you're happy. You're relieved. A min cash can feel good. Picked a terrible time to tail you, Peter? <laughs> what what picks were you tailing that were, were terrible? Please, please tell me. Please tell me. I didn't know I was on the record with so many awful picks. Um, I felt terrible all day yesterday, but ended up having my most profitable day yet. There you go. There you go. I don't know if you guys sweat like me. I do not pull up the live scores. I do not like looking at my lineups. I have... Like I put in my lineups in the CSV just because then I'll put them in a couple other contests. And if I want to sweat my lineups, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have my Waller lineup. Who else is in that lineup? I don't go to DraftKings. I pull up my CSV to remind myself I'm too superstitious. A watched pot doesn't boil. In-cash Pete returns. Min-cash Pete is back in a big way. Back in a big way. Spider says the stack tool with Stuart Gibson helped. Yes, if you're watching this and you haven't gone back and watched the show with Stuart Gibson from Advanced Sports Analytics on Friday, I highly recommend it. Uh, I got a lot of good feedback on it. Stuart was great. Uh, I believe the free trial for the player correlation tool is probably done, but honestly, it's worth it to get the sub. I get the sub stack as well. Uh, He breaks down the showdown slates along with the main slates from a correlation standpoint. I think. There was a lot of good information in there, and it wasn't just specific to week 13. I think it has evergreen appeal if you want to circle back to that sometime. Pete, are we too deep on the correlations? I don't think so. I don't think so. The correlations are not the end-all, be-all. They are a tool to point us in the right direction. They're a tool to help us eliminate the number of decisions we have to make. I'm team correlations, baby. I'm making eggs because I crushed my bankroll yesterday. I I recommend going down to Top Ramen, Clay. Rice and beans, maybe. Eggs, Eggs could be a little pricey in this economy. Let's look at some lineups. Let's look at some lineups. We'll update the spreadsheet in real time. One of the most compelling pieces of internet media right now is me updating my RG single entry challenge sheet in real time my beautiful conditional matting updating in real time. It's magical. It's magical. It's something NBC would push up an NFL game for, to watch Peter update his spreadsheet. Like I said, I played two of the spy contests. They had. We were back to the regular spy. Oh, this is the millionaire. I don't know. I had the millionaire up. We can look at that in a little bit. The first contest here, The the big spy, $500,000, 100K to first, 5,555 entries, 1,160 get paid. I finish here in 885th place with a Taysom Hill lineup at 3%. I mentioned this on one of my fleets right before lock. I said, if Taysom Hill to Michael Thomas goes bonkers, It was my beautiful brain that got me on that play. If it flops, it's Derek Cardy's fault. Derek Cardy was extremely high on Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas in this spot. And I think rightfully so. I was on Michael Thomas before the Cardy stamp of approval. I felt good about him early in the week, but I was not on Taysom Hill early in the week. And I pull in my spreadsheet here. I can show you guys. I've showed you this before. One of the things I like to look at on Sunday mornings is just a very simple thing here. Ceiling projection to ownership. You'll notice here on the Taysom Hill, I was seeing a lot of green. Cheap price tag. Cardi actually had him as, what was this? The third highest, tied for the second highest ceiling projection on the slate and at 3% ownership. And I also love Michael Thomas. So when I kind of worked through that and then thought of the ownership on Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas, I was never not running that out as my main stack in Cardi. We trust in the blitz. We trust Taysom Hill at 3% to Michael Thomas at 7.7% coming off of three straight games with what, like a 41% market share. I feel really, really good about that stack. And then Calvin Ridley, also looked to me like one of the best bringbacks at low ownership. I thought you could have played either him or Julio because the ownership and the price weren't that different. I just decided to take the guy I felt was more healthy uh, and maybe the slightly better player in the offense. I don't even know if that's a hot take. Do people think Ridley's better than Julio these days? Anyways, I knew I was going to be getting him at low. So I was very happy with the skinny stack. Normally, you guys know me, I'm I'm normally double stack Pete with the bring back. This one, I didn't mind doing the skinny stack because we know Taysom Hill is going to rush so much. I feel really good about that skinny stack, man. Look at those ownerships. We give ourselves a high ceiling with Ridley and Thomas in a dome game. Trademark, Derek Carty. No one else is allowed to say dome game other than Derek Carty. He gave me a little kickback on the royalties. Yeah, dude, my crown balance is popping. I'm grinding the crowns hard. Blender says I should spend them. He says I should spend them. I say no. I, I want to have a $100,000 crown balance. Crowns are like Bitcoin, the value only goes up. Cardi looks like he runs a lacrosse summer campus. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, Ridley was close to a couple TDs, Eric. I we were tilting in our Tilt Space chat yesterday, and I said something along the lines of, "How many touchdowns is Calvin Ridley going to miss out on?" <sighs> um, what else here? I was always jamming Miles Gaskin. I was jamming Miles Gaskin. He was popping in the Pete injury return model. This should have been such a bigger day for Miles Gaskin. I believe he had six carries at the goal line, six carries. Like he should have had a monster day. Some of that I think is probably on him not getting in there. Some of it's on the play call. Can we just be done with eye formation at the goal line? Can we be done with it? Let's telegraph exactly what we are going to do. Make it as obvious as possible. And just ram a guy into the defensive line, spread it out, anything, misdirection. You see that touchdown that Devontae Adams scored on? It was a classic fade route, right? And you'd say, all right, let's not throw in zone fades. Those aren't super high conversion plays, but they did it from the slot and they schemed him open. At least you're using some modicum of creativity. Why are we jamming Miles Gaskin up the middle a hundred times? So I was always jamming Miles Gaskin. I thought it was one of those situations where earlier in the week, we're going to have Booker and Montgomery as mega chalk in that range. And then Gaskin comes in Saturday and he was getting a lot of steam. A lot of people were talking about him, but I knew it was going to level out the ownership across Booker, Montgomery, Gaskin. I ranked it Gaskin, Booker, Montgomery. Obviously Montgomery had, had the better day, but I still don't, I don't have any regrets about jamming Gaskin there. Like I just said, he was 88% of the carries. He was, he could have had a 30 point day. Even on his big run, he ripped off at the end. He fumbles it. So it was just one of those kind of run bad situations for Gaskin there. Um, Aaron Jones was one of my favorite running back plays. I mean, it's, it's the classic thing with Aaron Jones, right? When he's under 10%, everyone's gravitating to Devontae Adams. People are playing the Packers defense. People are playing Rogers. Aaron Jones sets up as a really nice play. And we see why he's a nice play. Because he can rip off a 77-yard touchdown run. That was a sick run, too. I kept waiting for him to get tackled. And he he weaved all the way there. What got you on the Pats D? Um, Honestly, nothing special. Honestly, nothing special. Um, I was over here in my spreadsheet uh, in some of these spots I needed, um, I only had $2,400 left in this lineup that left me down here with the Falcons and Patriots. And I didn't want to play the Falcons D because I had Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas. So then I just went to the Patriots. I thought of those sub 2,500 non Falcons Ds. They were the best. Also, I don't know if you've heard, but Bill Belichick does a pretty good job against rookie quarterbacks, guys. Apparently that's a narrative. I actually didn't even know that narrative, but it was true. 45 to nothing, two interceptions, zero TDs for Justin Herbert. Bill Belichick has his number. My grown-ass man lineup finished 183rd in the Bankroll Challenge League. Yeah, we'll check that out in a few. I think my buddy Brian, Brick75, had a tweet yesterday that said, rough day for grown-ass men. I think it was, it was. Gaskin was forty five percent in mine. Yeah, depending on the higher in stakes you went up, the more highly owned Gaskin was yesterday. For the tilt space we played in the four thousand four hundred forty four dollar contest in Gaskin, I believe was thirty seven or forty percent. You see here twenty two point five percent, and that's that's something you're going to normally see with those guys. Um, did you know that Cam and Pat's D is actually positively correlated? I did and swapped off it at the last second like a big old fish. <laughs> wow. I thought that sentence was going somewhere else. The first, I thought you are about to victory lap. You're very sharp. Surprising correlation play. Why did I fade the highest total of the week? Which one was that? Cleveland and uh, Tennessee? I don't like, I'm not making conscious decisions to like fade that game. Like I made conscious decisions to fade Derrick Henry. I had a lineup with, I built four or five lineups yesterday and I did have a Tannehill stack in one of the $50 single entries, the red zone spy. I had a Tannehill double with AJ Brown and Furkser and I brought it back with cream hunt. So it just didn't make it into this lineup. Let's finish talking about the rest of this lineup here. So, I didn't have as much correlation here as far as Aaron Jones, Miles Gaskin, Cooper cup was actually one of the last guys I put in my lineup here. um, after I built this out, I, I played Jordan Akins. Um, I liked the ownership I was getting here on Jordan Akins earlier in the week. He was going to be super chalky and then we get Irv Smith out. So Rudolph becomes a little more popular. And then Ferkser is the big one. Ferkser was mega owned. Um, and so I thought getting Jordan Akins as kind of leverage on the Brandon Cook ownership, on the Coutee ownership, and getting a really cheap tight end, it just kind of checked a lot of the boxes. And I wouldn't have wanted to play Akins at 20%, but I knew we were going to be getting him down here in the 10% range. And I felt good about that. And then I knew I wanted a Colt. You know, the Colts are tricky, right? Because every week they have one of the higher implied team totals on the slate. And yet people don't like playing them because it's hard to know where the production is going to come from. You play Michael Pittman and then it ends up being the T.Y. Hilton game. I liked both Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Leone was pushing hard for Jonathan Taylor. We played him in our $4,444 lineup. I went Michael Pittman here because I needed more uh, the receiver in this spot. I didn't want to play three running backs. So I went with that little mini correlation there. Didn't quite get there. Obviously, only 9.6 points. And then, yeah, I had 6,100 left for my flex. This might be the one play that I got a little lazy on. And I'll admit this. I will admit this. So I had built most of this lineup, and I liked Cooper Cup. I I thought he was a good play, but I also knew he was going to be popular. And so I was talking through scenarios with myself of, all right, what happens if this lineup is buried early? I can't just play a one-off Chalky Cooper Cup. I knew I had to have some pivots in mind, and I had considered I'd messed around with some of this stuff with Aaron Jones, with Chris Carson. I also could have saved the money going down to Robert Woods, but I didn't think their ownership was going to be meaningfully different enough to actually get leverage. And I admittedly got a little lazy and I didn't have a super clean 2V2 swap that I felt good about in the case that this lineup was buried. Ultimately, I felt okay letting it ride. Because Taysom, Calvin, and Michael Thomas had okay games in the Patriots D, or the Patriots D hadn't gone yet. But I ended up letting it ride there, thought I could eat the cup chalk, but that was probably my one kind of leak in this lineup is not giving myself more outs to get off a Chalky Cooper Cup as a one-off. Patriots D is just, again, you know, looking for defenses that are cheap. And that are low owned, and I, I honestly didn't put too much thought into it. I wish I could take credit for my beautiful brain identifying the Patriots as a smash. Just just ran hot on that. Um, all right. Let's look at in this other lineup I built in the spot. Actually, let's let's update the spreadsheet while we're here. Let's update the spreadsheet. 166.68. Everyone grab their popcorn. Pete's updating his spreadsheet. Hundred
1: and fifty dollars.
2: What is this? How many? What place did I get? Eight eighty five. And oh no, this goes down here. Wait, come on, this goes up here. This is this is why I don't update the spreadsheet live because I'm just like a disaster with this stuff. If you guys could see my spreadsheet, Leonie had to come in here and rehab my spreadsheet because I was such a disaster with all this stuff. What was the cash line? 1160. Uh, okay, 161.94. Oh, my buddy Justin Herzig here at 161.94. Bubble Boy Herzig. What was it? 161.94. <laughs> All right, so we clear that, finish in the 16th percentile. I don't think that counts as a shot on goal. doesn't count as a shot on goal. We need to be in this top 5% for a puck on net, shot on goal, greens in regulation. Let's go look at the other lineup I made, and let me just check in on the chat here. Yeah, didn't you know Donovan Peoples-Jones and Corey Davis was the go-to mini correlation? A dude who finished fifth. In the melee actually had that one. The Donovan Peoples Jones bring back. I feel like it was really hard to late swap this week. I I so I I did a late swap in this lineup. This other spy lineup that we're about to look at here. I did a late swap. I thought there was enough good options between Chris Carson, Lockett, um, Keenan Allen, uh DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Jones. I think. Because we had the chalk condensing around Devontae Adams and Austin Eckler, um, I thought there was actually a lot of decent ways to, to get out from underneath chalk if you were buried. Um, so I will um... – <laughs> it sucks the analysis of this lineup is kind of just Pat's D got there. What What more defensive analysis do you want me to give? I I promise you I don't have my hand in the dirt on the Pats defensive line with the Chargers offensive line. I had $2,500 left in this lineup. I thought the Falcons and the Patriots D were projecting the highest. And when I say thought, I mean I literally looked at projections and saw which one was projecting the highest. And then I didn't want to play the Falcons because they were going against Taysom Hill, so I played the other one. (laughs) I mean... I, I apologize. There, I will be doing my defensive analysis lineup review immediately following this at eleven forty-five. I will tell you a uh, hundred reasons why I used every defense. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you want. You want a narrative? I already gave the narrative. Bill Belichick against rookie QBs, although I didn't know that narrative until after I played them. Basically, saying defense smashing sucks. I, I don't know what you want from me, man. Uh, I thought I was playing a defense that would get me 10 to 15 points and they got me 31. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what else you want, but they hit their ceiling outcome. Defensive scoring is incredibly random and reliant on big plays that are not predictable, i.e. defensive uh, turnovers for touchdowns, punt returns for touchdowns. If you found someone who could predict that Gunnar Oshevsky or whatever his name was, was going to score multiple times, well, then you should be tailing that person. (laughs) Um, All right, let's go over to this other lineup. So this one was frustrating because I was on the car to Waller. I had it. I had it, but the rest of my stack around it didn't hit. I mean, Nelson Aguilar, I can't wait to go check the air yards on Nelson Aguilar, was just missed for a couple big plays. Henry Ruggs gets the suck out touchdown at the end. Mims as the the cheap bring back, whatever. But man, this one hurts because it just is like you're so close. You you have the guy you need to win in Darren Waller, but the, the core of the lineup here with these other wide receivers doesn't get there. And so initially in this lineup, I had now I have to remember. I had Chris Carson and Devontae Adams. I had Chris Carson and Devontae Adams. And even though I had the Carter Waller, I was I, I was in rough shape because of the Aguilar, T. Higgins, and Denzel Mims stat lines. I knew I couldn't win a tournament, and I knew a lot of teams were going to have Devontae Adams. I also knew that Chris Carson wasn't going to be heavily owned. But I thought it was worth getting to two guys that I knew were going to be sub 10% as opposed to having like a Chris Carson around 10% and a Devontae Adams around 25%. So I pivoted that to Aaron Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm happy about that decision. I think if we add up the raw points, it was actually probably pretty close what that 2v2 was versus Carson and Adams. But I needed to get unique there to have a chance to lap some of the Devontae Adams and Eckler chalk. So I feel good about that pivot. Like I said, I was jamming Gaskin. So he was a guy I was playing everywhere. Uh, In the other lineup, I just played him as a one-off. Here I thought I would get a little correlation um, and play T. Higgins. I thought T. Higgins was a solid play. It was disappointing he didn't get more targets after Tyler Boyd got ejected. I also saw that he tweaked his hamstring. I don't know when that happened in the game. But I thought as a guy who continues to produce, I think even after today now, I think he's only had two games under 10 DraftKings points since week two. He's just been really, really good. And I thought it made sense here if we got a ceiling game from Gaskin that someone on the Bucks would have, or on the Bucks on the Bengals would have a big game. It ended up being T. Higgins or uh, Tyler Boyd, who then got ejected. Colts D, I had some money here for defense. I figured if everyone is playing the, oh man, now I'm going to get some defense analysis for you guys. You love my defensive analysis. The thought process, the thesis on the Colts defense here was everyone is playing Deshaun Watson. They're playing Brandon Cooks. They're playing Kiki Kuti. What if that goes south? Well, maybe it goes south with the Colts defense, who's actually been a pretty good defense for most of the year. And maybe a low-owned defense that's also leverage on some chalky pieces makes sense. Does that, does that, that, that's defensive analysis right there. No one does defensive analysis better than me. Over in the Roto-Grinders chat, Ethan Dott says Waller was an elite play. Man, let's talk about the Waller thing because... This was, again, one of those lessons about like how ownership can change so much throughout the week. Before the Ferxer stuff opened up, uh, Waller was projecting around 20 to 25% owned. And at that kind of ownership, paying up for a tight end, who we know can have these dud games. Like, Waller hasn't been a portrait of consistency this year. But like these guys we talk about, like Aaron Jones, like Will Fuller, like Derrick Henry. We know the ceiling there exists. And when they're low owned, you want to have pieces of these guys. And I have enjoyed attacking this Jets defense in DFS all year. Some of my best weeks this year were uh, a Mahomes team against the Jets, uh, Justin Herbert team against the Jets. That was a couple weeks ago when I finished top 20 in the spy with Justin Herbert against the Jets. And I'm looking here and I'm like, all right, we have a nice passing game setup. We have a tight end who can separate from the field going against the Jets, and he's not gonna be owned. This was another one of those things where checking my spreadsheet on Sunday morning really helped me because earlier in the week I'm sitting here looking at this ownership next to Waller's name and I'm seeing it at you know twenty, twenty five percent. I updated on Sunday and it's down to eleven percent. Now I'm I'm getting really, really interested. And you know, my big failing was not committing more to Waller. I only ended up playing him in this Derek Carr lineup. I actually played him in another lineup on FanDuel where that one didn't even cash. But, anyways, I I wish I would have had more conviction. I mean, if you tell me, I knew he was going to come in around eleven or twelve percent if I trusted my ownership, comes in at six point seven percent in the spy. And I and I uh It's a situation I wish I would have capitalized on more because everything lined up here. The one tight end on the main slate that could really separate from the field in a great matchup at low ownership when everyone else is chasing the punt tight ends. Brian Hooper in the chat. How is the Jim Cramer head-to-head GPP challenge proceeding? Yeah, if you guys weren't uh, hanging out online, on Twitter on Saturday evening, I was trying to get a little head-to-head GPP with Jim Cramer going. I did subtweet him. I forgot to tag him. I thought Jim Cramer and his 1.4 million Twitter followers probably wouldn't see my tweet whether I tagged him or not. Luckily, Chris Randone, the hero we deserve, came in and tagged him for me. It made it seem like Chris was going to broker a head-to-head GPP challenge, but then it all went sideways didn't happen. If anyone knows Jim Cramer, I would love to go head to head, toe to toe with Mr. Mad Money himself. Apparently he's really getting into DFS these days. And I would like to, I'd like to challenge him. I would. So if anyone can make that happen, please help me out here. This is true. I am the fleet Fleet over Zed is the DST specialist. Come to me for all your DST needs. <sighs> is, Eli, is Eli doing stuff for DraftKings now too? I'll take all comers, dude. I will come out of cash game retirement to take on all of these guys. Jim Kramer, Eli Manning, Paulie D, Gronk's girlfriend whoever else has done affiliate marketing for draftkings do we have any other any other questions about this uh team let me see we got ryan hodge in the chat does that 4% really make you question using waller more you know your lineup is going to be unique because of stacking and a guy like higgins sub 2 2%, 2% that 4 to 5% on waller should not matter i guess i don't i don't understand what you're saying hodge you know your lineup is going to be I, I'm talking about using Waller in other lineups. Like if we know one of the, one of the things I talk about with Brian is if the DFS gods came down and gave us the ownership numbers ahead of time. And I, I was projecting him around 11% ownership, looking at average ownership projections across. If you tell me if the DFS gods say, no, 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 Peter, he's actually coming in at 6.7%. I'm. I'm going to even try to have more of him. I think the difference there is meaningful enough that that's kind of an absurd ownership for a guy in a great spot who can separate from the field at his position. But I might not Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what I'm just saying. I do think that that I do think that that number is meaningful. It was enough for me to get it. I played two spy lineups, right? I put him in 50% of my lineups assuming at 11% ownership. And I'm saying I think I would have had even more if the DFS gods told me he was going to come in at 6.7% ownership. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason that, I mean, we you can you can go through it too and be like, okay, well, t- what's the di- really the difference between 10% and 20% in this? It's, it's saying the chances, that's, okay, so if we do this 5% of uh, a field of this size, that's 277 lineups. That's 277 less lineups that have Darren Waller than if he was 11 percent owned. That's a that's a big difference. That's 277 less lineups you have to compete with. So I, I think it's very meaningful. Uh, those five to six percentage points to have almost 300 lineups that don't have Waller that I thought were going to have Waller based on my ownership. I think that's I think that's big. How is ownership projected? People do it different ways. Um, I know Chris Jamino at um, at Roto Grinders. I'm pretty sure uh, Alex. I know Brick. That they, they have automated systems. I assume it's some kind of concoction of looking at projections and what what plays are showing up in optimals. I don't know exactly how that sausage gets made. I know Levitan. Over at ETR, uh, I think he has some, you know, railings to keep him within, but he does his way more on feel and public sentiment. I like averaging, aggregating ownerships to kind of get a blend of those. And the market is pretty efficient when aggregated on ownership. I was talking with Brian yesterday, too, about how efficient ownership projections have been, specifically in the in the millimaker. I mean a really, really good, uh, really good predictor of ownership, which is good and bad, right? Because it's good in that it's helpful for us to make decisions on what's actually going to be reality, but it's also bad because it's it's harder to get leverage spots when the when the ownership is so efficient relative to what they should be owned. I is there a standard formula for making your own point projections? This this is out of my depth. I I am not, I have gotten better at math and and statistics and stuff because of DFS and and learning more, but I do not make my own projections. I do not know. Um, You should hop in in someone like Brian Hooper's Discord. I know they talk a lot about projections. Um, I'm sure if you hit up some of the data scientists, I want to say Anthony Amico or Justin Freeman, one of them had a template for making your own projections. Um, if you, if you follow up with me or hit up some of those guys, I think you can find some, some good tools and starting points for that, but that I don't, I don't do that. I I appreciate the people who do, I value it, but that's not how I like spending, spending my time, even though it could be a fun intellectual exercise. Um, all right. Um, Okay. Let's uh, let's let's go over to the uh, Pete's bankroll challenge here. Who took this down? Who took this down? Joe, Joe from St. Louis. I recognize Joe's avatar. Joe, are you in the chat today? Yes, Eric. Eric, uh, point out it, it's Freeman. Yeah, hit up Justin Freeman on Twitter, and uh, I bet he'll hook you up with that. Uh oh, here he is. Here's Joe King the man in the bowler hat with the mustache with the monocle in the observatory with the Tannehill stack let's see what he did here Tannehill to Corey Davis wow you are sick Joe you are sick no AJ Brown in a Tannehill stack you sick 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 man I do like that correlation though uh, oh, I see what you did. You played both Chubb and Landry. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I think in these smaller field tournaments, this is obviously a very small tournament here. 200 people going in on a game makes a ton of sense. All you have to do is identify the game that shoots out and you're going to be in good shape. This would be a harder team to win a big contest with because... Chubb and Landry are going to have some negative correlation, but it doesn't matter when the piece of that game pie gets so big. So I love that angle there. I personally would not have been able to make a Tannehill stack without AJ Brown, but that's why you won this tournament and I didn't. What else did you do here? You correlated Jonathan Taylor with Brandon Cooks. I think we in the, in the peach challenge, probably galaxy branded ourselves off of Brandon Cooks. All of us contrarian galaxy brainers, 20% isn't bad. And you can tell also Jonathan Taylor coming in at 18%. This is the the Pete's ownership, the Pete's contest ownership. I think in most stuff, Jonathan Taylor was sub 10%. Even in our high stakes, 4,444, I think we got him at 11 or 12%. Pete's challenge too sharp. And then he correlated Mims and Waller. I love it. I love it. Had enough money to get up to Seahawks defense? This is a nice lineup. Game stack, too many correlations, get a good defense, easy game. Easy game, Joe from St. Louis. <laughs> yes, the correlation in this lineup, fucks. Sorry to the kids on this morning. Sorry to the family men and women gathering around. They just pulled poured their children a bowl of Fruit Loops. Want to get some defensive analysis? And then we say things like, this lineup's correlation fucks. Sorry, Devin at Roto Grinders, you're going to have to slap the explicit tag on this audio upload. I don't know if he posts the audio for the lineup reviews. He's been posting the the audio for the Friday shows. If you subscribe to the Roto Grinders podcast feed, you can get the Friday shows in podcast form. But I think you're losing something. I think... I think these shows have a very critical visual element to them it reminds me of if you guys ever seen the clip there's this clip of David Lynch the movie director and someone asks him what he thinks about people watching movies on their phone and he's so disgusted by even the thought of someone watching one of his movies on this phone he just goes it's it's fucking bullshit. There's a lot of good David Lynch clips. I think there's another one where someone asks him what he thinks about product placement. And he also says it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Gotta love David Lynch. Um, nice job, Joe. This is a good lineup. Anyone else in the chat? Want me to look? Mad Max finished 18th. What did I do wrong? Dude, I will dissect your lineup. I will tell you exactly where you went wrong. Oh, you did the same thing as me. You played Michael Pittman. Let's see. I mean, this lineup looks pretty good to me. Rodgers double stack. Bring it back with Rager. That was a sick, low-owned bring back. You correlate Corey Davis with Kareem Hunt. You play James Robinson as a one-off, which is totally fine. You play Michael Pittman as a one-off, which I think is fine. I honestly don't know what happened to this lineup. The look at how sharp this contest is, right? Look at how many of you guys were up here. I mean, I do feel like this is impressive when you think about the percentage of teams in these other contests that cash. You know, I I'm down here with the min cash at one sixty six point six eight. I mean, lots of good scores here. Like this is a competitive tournament in a two hundred person field to have this many teams. Over 166.68. I would need to break down the math on it. Uh, Like the average score of this tournament. um, It seems very high relative to other contests. You guys build sharp lineups. Let's see. Uh, You outscored me by two points. What is yours? Is this you, Froyo? Is that you, Jamarius? David Lynch on the Cleveland show is hilarious. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Adams, Lazard, nice. No no Eagles bring back. I think that's fine in this spot. Robinson and Gaskin, jams. Justin Jefferson at 12.5%, super nice. I had a hard time with the Vikings this week because it was hard to get clean leverage off of Dalvin Cook because both Jefferson and Thielen were projecting for similar amount of ownership. What did I have them at here? Phelan 13%, Jefferson at 15%. Um, To get them here, at, to get Jefferson as a one-off at 12.5%. I don't think that's bad at all. Jets defense, the Uber punt. Oh, you're med school. Sorry, uh, here I was uh, reviewing someone else's lineup. You guys are sharp, man. Every week I say... Why don't I play James Robinson? I just like, I I even did a, did a message. I did a fleet about it Saturday night or Friday. I was like, Peter, don't keep fading James Robinson every week. Appropriate price tag, moderate ownership, voluminous workload. Like, what am I doing? I do think I would have had a little more James Robinson if Miles Gaskin didn't open up. I thought Miles Gaskin was a very similar play. That was also $1,400 cheaper. But man, James Robinson is, he's such a good play. Man, look at us. All of us loved Michael Pittman, huh? I thought it was a good play. Tannehill to Corey Davis. How did you guys all get on Corey Davis without A.J. Brown? Someone tell me how you guys did this. I, I, I don't, I don't know how you guys got on that. Like I was, I was never getting on Corey Davis. If in my double stack, I did AJ Brown and Ferkser, but I'm the fish. How did you guys know about Corey Davis? Donnie Watson says in the Roto-Grinders chat, Pete, did you consider Jefferson and Thielen paired with Chark? I did that a lot and Chark let me down. It's funny. I actually um, did Jefferson with Thielen in a lineup. Um, Let's see if I can, I can pull up a spy. One of my, uh, or it wasn't the spy. It was the red zone. I I built five lineups uh, this week. Let me pull up these two red zones. I didn't cash either of these, but one of them had Jefferson and shark. I did like that. Here you go. Yeah. So this was, this was the one that hurt me because, you know, like I said, Taysom Hill and Derek Carr were my two favorite quarterbacks. And then my third favorite was Kyler. Um, So in this one, uh, I did a Kyler to Isabella and Hopkins. And then I thought I would get really unique and not bring it back with one of the chalk Rams wide receivers. Instead do Tyler Higby that afforded me a little bit more money for the Jefferson and DJ chart correlation. Um, And yeah, you needed the, you needed the Jefferson and James Robinson. Not the Chark, unfortunately. But I did like that. I did like that correlation a lot. I thought Chark was really standing out in that mid-range. Your account balance looking a little slim. Need a big one this weekend. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. Um. Yeah. So I did have some shark. What was my other red zone here? Oh, here's my Tannehill one. This was my Tannehill. Tannehill to AJ Brown and Furkser. I decided to bring it back with Kareem Hunt. I, I liked Kareem Hunt at 5,400. I thought that it was uh, the right game script if I'm projecting the Titans to be out front scoring uh, or throwing. Kareem Hunt coming back in garbage time. He actually had a couple goal line carries too. At 5,400, I I didn't mind that play. I did play Booker here as a correlation with Mims. And then I played a one-off Michael Thomas. You know, that's one of the things that I'm trying to get better at because I'll identify these spots. Like, okay, I love Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas and then the Ridley bring back. But then sometimes I'll go to build my other lineups and I'll forget, like, no, no, no. You can play some of these guys as one-offs that aren't going to be super popular even if you don't have the stack around it. Uh, So I I reminded myself, Peter, you like Michael Thomas. You can play him in other lineups other than your Taysom stack. So yeah, ultimately, I I feel good about my builds this week. Um, Just didn't have the perfect puzzle pieces to come together around them. You know, missed on the wide receivers here, but nailed Waller and, and, and Carr over here. Now I'm. I don't even know where my lineups are. You get what I'm saying, though. You get what I'm saying. Could you take a look at the lineup I threw in the sixty-five thousand dollars Sunday NFL Stiff Arm on It's the seventy-five single entry contest. I'm not in that contest, so I don't. Uh, that'll be tricky for me to find. But, but if you want to hop in the Discord uh, and post a screenshot, you guys. There's lots of good conversation going on in the Discord. If you're on my YouTube channel, there's a link down below. You can post your lineups. People will discuss it. Um, all you need to do is tag me in there, and uh, and I'll give you a few thoughts if you want to do that. Hop in the Discord. We can talk more about the lineups today. Rob, AJ was overpriced. That's why he was low-owned. He's boomer bust. That's what we want in GPPs. That's what we want in GPPs. Um, DJ Dog says, trust the process, Pete. Yeah, I don't like. I felt sick to my stomach yesterday because I, I felt like I was on the right things, but I just didn't. I just didn't get there. I just didn't bring it home. Um, all right, guys, I'm gonna head out. I got a long Monday ahead of me. We have Monday night football double header. Oh, I believe I need to touch base. I think I am going to do. I think I am going to do a, a show tonight with Joe Holka. I believe on my channel, I think we're going to talk about the showdown slate. I think we're going to talk about the Bills 49ers. Wanted to start doing a little, uh, just quick little showdown video. I think we'll go live for like 20 minutes around 7.30 p.m. Eastern, if you guys want to tune in, and we'll talk about that that showdown contest. So that should be fun. New thing, going to try out with Joe if you want to tune in for that. Um, I have down below, if you guys want to watch our video from the Tilt Space last night, if you guys enjoy lineup review, we kind of broke down our pitiful lineup in the $4,444 contest yesterday. Uh, Please subscribe to Roto-Grinders. Please subscribe to my channel. We will be back later tonight to talk showdown. Appreciate you guys, as always. Have a wonderful week.